Good to see everybody here. Welcome to wintertime. It got cold all of a sudden, didn't it? Yeah. But it's warm in here because we are surrounded with warm fellowship. And so we welcome you here and glad you are here today and hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way as we worship God. Uh, we welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us and we're glad that you're here. Hope you'll feel very much a part of our family this morning. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and to fill them out for us. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that. Just put the uh, name and address and check your appropriate box on there. We would appreciate you doing that. Also, uh, a couple of announcements I'd like to bring to your attention. We will not be having our nominating uh, team meeting today. Uh, we had scheduled that for today, but we'll postpone that. Uh, Mark's not going to be able to be here, and, and he's our illustrious leader, and so we'll uh, postpone that to another day uh, very soon. And, uh, but we do have some things I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, this evening we will be having our community-wide Thanksgiving service. Uh, that's tonight at 6 o'clock. That will be at St. Paul's Episcopal Church. This is an ecumenical thing, and um, it, there will be a a fellowship afterwards, so thank you those of you who volunteered to, uh, to provide some pies 
uh, for the fellowship afterwards. So we appreciate that. And also, our own Brittany Smith will be offering a testimony during this uh, uh, this service tonight, uh, testimony of Thanksgiving. So I know you'll want to be a part of that. I think it's going to be a very good service, so uh, I hope that you'll be there this evening at 6 o'clock at St. Paul's Episcopal. Also, uh, tomorrow is our Upwards Award Ceremony. We finished the Upwards season yesterday. It was a great season. <laughs> we have a lot of people that are relieved that it's over. Uh, and it has been a, uh, a hard season, but a very good season. And I want to I offer a word of thanks to uh, all of our volunteers who have helped make that uh, possible this year. It, it's been hard, I know. But thank you so much. Um, a, lot of, a lot of hours and, and effort and sweat has been put into this uh, season. But we are grateful for it and grateful for those who have um, participated in, in that. But our award ceremony will be tomorrow night where we finish everything up at 6 o'clock at South Middle School. We invite you to come to celebrate with us. Tony uh, Wolf will be our entertainment. He's been with us before, and, it's, and he's a lot of fun. And, uh, and so come and help us uh, celebrate the end of our Upwards Award Ceremony. Yeah, that's right. Here's another good thing. You can leave the chairs where they are today. We don't need, we don't, we don't need to take up the chairs today. Uh, and, and also, on Wednesday, there will be no activities this Wednesday. We won't be having our, our dinner or um, our Bible study or anything happening on Wednesday evening. We know that Thursday is kind of a special day, Thanksgiving. And a lot of people are preparing on Wednesday or traveling, so uh, happy Thanksgiving week to everyone. We hope it is a blessed and truly a thankful time of the year. Now let's stand and we'll sing our song of gathering, We Have Come Into His House. Let us pray together. Lord of all grace and God of all glory, we praise you for you alone are God. We praise you for the wonder and expanse of your creation, for the delightful and delight-filled variety of your creatures, including humankind. We give you thanks and praise, O oh God. We give you thanks for you called us out even when we did not know your name. You saved us even when we did not, do not, deserve such a gift. You continue to be with us, loving us, sustaining us, responding to us with your grace. 
Time and time again, we stumble and fall in our haste to get away from you. But still you are there helping us up, brushing us off, healing our bumps and bruises and scrapes and scratches. Perhaps even gently laughing with us when we discover how foolish we looked in the midst of it all. And yet, we confess that sometimes we make it all too neat and too easy and orderly for ourselves. And and sometimes we no longer stumble because we're neither bold enough to run away from you, nor courageous enough to run to you. Forgive us when you simply become a part of our routine. Safe. Comfortable. Predictable. Forgive us, O Lord, when we would rather read the guidebooks and watch the travel log than risk traveling along this journey of faith ourselves. Forgive us, O Lord. Hear, O God, the cries of our hearts. Hear the cries of your creation, the cries for freedom, the cries of hope, the cries of the hungry and the thirsty who long to be filled cries of those who have no place to live. Hear our cries, O Lord. Heal us and help us on the way to being your people that we too might also hear the cries of the world and that we might also bring healing and hope to others. We worship you today, O God, our Lord, our Master, our King. Amen. Come, let us gather together all who call Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus the Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Jesus, above every other name in all of creation, is truly Lord. Jesus, before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Praise God, our Messiah. Lift our hearts in praise for the Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord.
Gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, You asked this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Come on down, children. We're going to talk about hats and how they kind of define who we are. So who wears this kind of hat? (laughs) Oh, okay. So witch hat. What does a witch look like? What do they wear? They wear a robe. What do they do? They ride a broom. They're kind of mean, right? Well, what about this? This one's kind of broken. Aw, there you go, Dawn. <laughs> Try a little harder. All right, what does an angel wear? A halo. What do they do? They have wings. Yeah. They do good things. All right. We've got all kinds of hats. We've got, where do we wear these? We have snowmen and our little... Spiders. We wear these for fun. We've got all sorts of hats. Oh, look, Mom loves this one. Where is it? Oh, not this one. This is a sombrero. Let's see. Where did I put it? Oh, no. Oh. Everyone knows this hat, right? Daddy's hat. So, Daddy wears this hat just because to bother us. We've got what? Oh, we've got a cowgirl hat. We've got a hunting hat. Oh, Nibby. Bike helmet. What does a biker wear? They wear their helmet and they wear knee pads. Yeah. Hmm. Let me take off my sombrero here. Well, who wears a crown? A princess and a prince wears a crown and a king and a queen wear crowns. Do all kings wear crowns? No. What kind of crowns do kings wear? Do they always look shiny and pretty? No. What kind of crown? Or give me an example of a king. Royalty. Yeah. Give me another example. We've got a picture. God is a king. Is this what God looks like? No. Did he? What kind of crown did God wear? The crown of thorns. So tell me the difference between this king and this king. One's what? Is he worth more? So they're both kings, but one's a little more like us, isn't he? Let's see. Jesus is a king, and Dr. Tim's going to talk about this today. Jesus is a king because he has compassion. And for those of you guys that were here last week, what is compassion? Oh, we're looking around. (laughs) Compassion. It's sympathetic pity or concern for others. Their suffering or misfortunes. So which king worries more about who's suffering? Jesus worries more. 
And we're also going to talk about Jesus being worthy of being king. What does worthy mean? He's good enough for it. He has deserving effort, attention, or respect. So you guys are going to talk about Jesus and the respect he has for us and him being worthy of being our king. And he's also the king of kings. So our king of kings, or our king, is also the king of the other kings. Look, I'm going to make a mess. So we have two different crowns. You guys are going to talk about those upstairs today. And we have all sorts of hats. Have fun, guys. with me please for the off story prayer Father in this season of abundance we pray that you would deliver us from the sin of ingratitude because you have showered us with blessings show us the wisdom of sharing that which you have given us in your wonderful providence we enjoy more than we can use may we learn this hour the joy of giving this prayer in your name Amen
All God's people said. How wonderful, wonderful that was. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, thank you, Pancho. So, welcome to this last Sunday of the church year. Did you know that? Today's the last Sunday of the church year. As many of you may know, the church calendar is a little bit different. It's not quite the same as the regular calendar that we normally use. Instead of beginning January the 1st, the church calendar always begins with Advent, which begins next Sunday. 
And Advent, of course, is when we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world at Christmas time and, and also anticipate his, his return. And then after we celebrate uh, Advent and Jesus' birth at Christmas, the church calendar follows his life, beginning with Epiphany, which celebrates the, the coming of the wise men to see the baby Jesus, and then his baptism and temptation and the beginning of his teaching ministry. And then after a few weeks, we, we enter the season of Lent, which, when we, which is when we focus on his death and the things leading up to his death. And then after his death, it's time for Easter when we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And that is followed after 50 days with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then we seek to live out our lives following the teachings of Jesus through what's called the ordinary days of the church year until today, the last Sunday of the church year, when we reach a kind of climax with a celebration of the coming reign of Christ over all of the world. And then next Sunday we begin the cycle all over again as we once again enter into the season of of Advent. Today, however, we celebrate the reign of Christ over all of humanity, sometimes called Christ the King Sunday. That's what today is. There's a story about a little boy who was in the hospital in England back during the days of King George V. King George was the the king of, of Great Britain from 1910 until he died in 1936. And this was when marriage was, was used as a political tool among the, the royal families of Europe. And so George was the grandson of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, but he was also the first cousin of both Tsar Nicholas II of Russia and Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. And yet, in spite of all of this royal blood, all of his royal blood, and in spite of his regal upbringing, George was by far the least pretentious of almost all of the monarchs in in all of history. Well, the patients in this particular hospital where this little boy was being treated were told that the king was going to be coming for a visit that day. And so everybody put on their best clothes as they were lying in their beds waiting for the king to come. And this little boy was so eager to see the king. All day long, there were a number of visitors in and out of the hospital because it was Visitor's Day. And along about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, a man came in with some other guys, and he spoke to some of the boys and the girls, and even spoke to this young boy who was waiting so eagerly to see the king. He patted him on the head and, and spoke very nicely to him, and then he left. Well, that night, as he was being made ready for bed, the little boy said to the nurse, why didn't the king come today? And she said, oh, the king did come. Don't you remember that nice gentleman that came over to you and patted you on the head and and spoke so sweetly to you? And he said, yes, I remember. And she said, well, that was the king. And the boy protested, but he wasn't wearing his crown. You know, if you think about it, that's Kind of like what Kelsey was talking about a minute ago. If you think about it, that was probably the most dis- what most disappointed the people who came to see Jesus. He wasn't wearing a crown. Instead, he came as an ordinary person. His parents were ordinary citizens. His hometown was so small and, and so disrespected that there was a common expression that asked, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He perplexed so many people who came to hear him speak, who came in contact with him. And he certainly confounded Pontius Pilate. Go back with me to those dark days just before Jesus was crucified. This was Passion Week. It had already begun. Up until this time, Jesus had been telling his disciples time after time again that he would have to die. Which he would, uh, the, his, the, the religious leaders would turn him over and he would be 
he would suffer, he would die, and then be resurrected to new life. And now the time for the fulfillment of that prediction had come, and he, was be, he had been captured. He was arrested and brought before Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, to hear his case. And Pilate decided to interview Jesus himself, probably because he thought something smelled fishy about all of this that was going on. I mean, the Jews just didn't make it a practice to deliver one of their own to the Roman authorities whom they thoroughly despised. But they did with Jesus. And so Pontius was a little suspicious about this. But according to Luke's account, The religious authorities brought three charges against Jesus. Subverting the nation, opposing the payment of taxes to Caesar, and claiming to be the king of the Jews. And so Pilate began his interrogation by asking Jesus if he indeed was the king of the Jews. And Jesus asked Pilate if that was his idea or if somebody else had talked to him and influenced that question. And basically, I think what Jesus was asking Pilate was if he had a concern that Jesus was some sort of a political threat or a, or a revolutionary. Now, to build a case against Jesus so that the Romans would kill him, the religious leaders had indeed accused him of being a threat to the Roman Empire. That's what got the Romans interested in that. And so in answer to Jesus' question, is that your idea or did someone else tell you all these things? Pilate answered sarcastically, am I a Jew? He said, your own people handed you over to me. So what is it that you've done? What have you done so bad that your own people have turned against you and handed you over to be tried and killed? I'm sure that that broke Jesus' heart. To have Pilate press this matter that it was his own people who accused him and brought him to this place. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? Have you ever known the pain of betrayal by someone you thought would be loyal to you? Can you imagine the hurt that you feel when, when the people that you're supposed that's, that is supposed to have your back, they ditch you in, instead of having your back? Or even worse, rather than having your back, they are the ones who plunge the dagger into your back. And that's exactly what Jesus must have been experiencing about this time. His pain was not simply the, the physical pain of nails and spears and whips. It was also the emotional pain of betrayal as his people turned against him. In fact, in the prologue to John, it speaks of this sad theme by saying that he came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. But Jesus said to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, he was saying that that Rome did not have to be afraid of any political insurrection by him or, or by those who followed him. He was neither a, a zealot nor a, a guerrilla warrior. His kingdom was not like that at all. If it were, he said, my followers would fight for me. They would prevent my arrest. But my kingdom is, my kingdom is from another place. And so Pilate said, oh, so you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world was to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And that's when Pilate asked his cynical question, what is truth? Now, we need to know that Pilate was in no hurry to pass judgment on Jesus. He didn't really want to. In fact, he could... He really couldn't find anything substantial to charge him with and even even tried to bargain with the crowd by asking them to to choose between letting him go and and Barabbas. And they chose Barabbas. But finally, Pilate quite literally washed his hands of the matter. But the story has an interesting ending. 
You see, when it was clear that the mob would have its way, Pilate had Jesus brought before the crowd and said, Here is your king. But they shouted, Take him away. Crucify him. And so Pilate asked, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests shouted, We have no king but Caesar. And so finally Pilate handed him over to be crucified. But he wasn't quite finished. Pilate was not quite finished. He interjected himself one last time into this narrative. Because when the time came for Jesus to be crucified, Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened onto the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Well, Pilate was only partially correct, of course. Because Jesus was not simply king of the Jews, neither would he become king of the Christians. Instead, there will come a day when Jesus will be king over all the world. King of all kings, Lord of all lords. As the writer of Philippians says it, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, on heaven and on earth and even under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is King. Do you hear that? Scripture teaches us that someday everyone on earth will kneel at the name of Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords. But what makes Christ worthy of such adoration? Let's deal with that question for a few moments this morning. What makes Jesus worthy to be king? Well, first of all, Christ is worthy of our adoration because of his willingness to identify with the human condition. John says it all in the prologue to his gospel when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What an amazing truth that is. God, Jesus, became one of us. Became one of us. Reverend Lee Hull Moses tells a delightful story about something that happened in his, his church one Sunday. The church was gathered in the fellowship hall, drinking coffee and eating pastries and kind of catching up on the news from the week, uh, thinking about heading off to their Sunday school classes uh, upstairs. And then there was a commotion under one of the tables in the fellowship hall there. And so Reverend Moses went over and bent down to look under the table, and he discovered that there was a, a little red-headed three-year-old playing matchbox cars with one of the highly respected elders of that congregation. The elder had crawled up under the table in his church clothes, in his suit and tie, and Moses says they were verrooming their cars all up and down the floor, oblivious to the rest of us watching, and filled with the delight of playing with one another. And then Reverend Moses says, maybe it's a small thing, playing matchbox cars under the table on a Sunday morning, but when I saw them there, I thought, that's what the church should be. A place where even for a moment or two, life breaks open and joy abounds. That is what church should be. A place of, a place of joy. Why? Because Christ was willing, like that church elder, to crawl up under the table, as it were, and to play matchbox cars with us. Or to put it more theologically, he was willing to come into the world and identify with the human condition. He was willing to sorrow as we sorrow. He was willing to suffer as we suffer. He was willing to develop friendships as we develop friendships and even grieve over the loss of a friend to death as we sometimes are forced to grieve. Does God know what we're going through, we sometimes wonder? Well, the answer to that is yes. 
God knows exactly what we're going to going through because in in Jesus Christ, God experienced what it means to be human. So Christ is worthy of our adoration, first of all, because of his willingness to identify with the human condition. And then secondly, Christ is worthy of our adoration because of the, the compassion that he had for everyone that he met. And it didn't make any difference who they were or how much or how little they deserved it. He looked at every person that he met through the eyes of love and compassion. There's a story from many years ago about the the Prince of Wales visiting India. It seems that a, a barrier had been set up to keep back the throng of people that wanted to catch a glimpse of the of this heir to the British throne. But when he arrived, he the prince shook the hands of some of the dignitaries who were there to meet him and and then he looked over at the crowds of people behind the barrier and he said, take those barriers down. And so the barriers were removed and all of the people, all of the people, regardless of their social rank, had free access to the prince. Well, sometime later, when the prince came back to that district again, he found that there were 10,000 outcasts waiting under a banner that celebrated the, pen, the prince who removed the barriers, calling him the prince of the outcasts. Well, folks, let me tell you something. If ever there were a prince of the outcasts, it was Jesus. If ever there was a, a prince of the outcasts, it was Jesus. You see, from the very beginning of his ministry, it was very clear that outcasts, were a priority for him. He was showing it time after time again. Let me give you just one example. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus expressed his great compassion for a leper by touching him. Now, most people would have, if they had this capability, they would have healed the leper first before they touched him. And then they might have touched him. But they would have healed him first. But by, by touching this leper Jesus himself would have been made ceremonially unclean. He, could not, he would not be allowed to participate in any worship in the temple or the synagogues until he went through a ritual time of, of cleansing. But he did it anyway. He touched this leper in order to heal him, which just goes to show that Jesus didn't pay any mind to those kinds of issues of religious protocol. You see, his only concern was people. He loved people. So do you understand what great good news this is? We say that in Jesus we see the very nature of God. And you know what that means? That means that the creator of everything that is or ever has been loves people. Just like Jesus loved people. In fact, according to 1 John, God's very nature is love. God is love, it says. And so Christ is worthy of our devotion, first of all, because of his willingness to identify with the human condition. And Christ is worthy of our adoration also because of his great compassion for everyone that he met. And then finally, Christ is worthy of our adoration because of his willingness to go to the cross. In that great hymn, Isaac Watts wrote, See from his head, his hand, his feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, Or thorns compose so rich a crown? On one occasion, Christ summed it up himself when he said, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for a friend. A man traveled a great distance for an interview with a distinguished scholar, and he was ushered into the the man's study where he said, Doctor, I noticed that the walls of your study are lined with books from ceiling to floor. He said, No doubt you have read them all, and I know that you have written many books yourself. 
you have traveled extensively, and I am sure that you have had the privilege of conversing with some of the wisest people in the world. Now I have come a long way to ask you just one question. Tell me, of all of the things that you have learned, what is the one thing most worth knowing? Putting his hand on his guest's shoulder, the scholar replied with emotion in his voice, My dear sir, of all the things that I have learned, there are only two that are really worth knowing. The first is, I am a great sinner. And the second is, Jesus Christ is a great Savior. He is a great Savior, isn't He? Why? Because He was first a great lover. And because of His love for you and me, He laid down His life on the cross. That's why we celebrate the reign of Christ on this last Sunday of the church year. It's because one day every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. Why? Because he identified with the human condition. And because of his great compassion for everyone he met. And because of his willingness to go to the cross for you and me. Because of that great love for everyone. So. Is Jesus worthy to be king? You bet he is. And that's why we celebrate his kingdom today. And that's why we live our lives each day, hopefully, in the midst of his kingdom, striving to be the presence of Christ in a world of need. And that's why one day, one day, every knee shall bow. And every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is indeed King. May it be so. And may it be soon. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 144, When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross. We're going to sing all four verses of this. And... And you'll notice that this is the song that I quoted a moment ago. As we sing this song together, my request is that we meditate upon the words. I know it's easy sometimes when we're singing hymns, especially hymns that we're so familiar with and we've sung for years and years and years, they just kind of come naturally to our tongues. Don't let that happen. Let's meditate upon these words. And as we do, let us think about why Jesus is worthy to be king. And to see what our response should be to Christ's kingdom in our lives. Because folks, as it says at the very end of this hymn, Christ's kingdom demands my soul, my life, my all. Let us sing.
priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people belonging to God, our King. And so go now to serve in God's kingdom through the strength and the love and the enduring presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.